Tat. Therefore, Paticha, please accept Vija Agya, O best of the Brahmanas, Imam, her, Shradhaya, with faith, Uparitam, offered as a presentation, Maya, by me, Sarva Atmana, in every way. Anurupam, suitable, te, for you, griha medishu, in the household, karmashu, duties. Translation and purport by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami, Srila Prabhupada. Therefore, please accept her, O Chief of the Brahmanas, for I offer her with faith. And she is in every respect fit to be your wife and take charge of your household duties. Please repeat. Therefore, please accept her. Therefore, please O chief of the Brahmanas. For I offer her with faith. And she is in every respect fit to be your wife and take charge of your household duties. Purport by Srila Prabhupada. The word griha medishu, karmashu, mean in household duties. Another word is also used here, sarvana na nurupam. The purport is that a wife should not only be equal to her husband in age, character, and qualities, but must be helpful to him in his household duties. The household duty of a man is not to satisfy his sense gratification, but to remain with a wife and children at the same, and at the same time attain advancement in spiritual life. One who does not do so is not a householder, but a grihamedi. Two words are used in Sanskrit literature. One is grihasta, and the other is grihamedi. The difference between grihamedi and grihasta is that grihasta is also an ashram or spiritual order. But if one simply satisfies his senses as a householder, then he is a grihamedi. For a grihamedi, to accept a wife means to satisfy the senses. But for a grihasta, a qualified wife is an assistant in every respect for advancement in spiritual activities. It is the duty of the wife to take charge of household affairs and not to compete with the husband. A wife is meant to help, but she cannot help her husband unless he is completely equal to her in age, character, and quality. We're going to go on to text 12. Yastasya ikakamasya pativado nashasyate akinirmukta sangasya kamarakasya kimpunaha. Translation and purport. To deny an offering that has come of itself is not commendable, even for one of absolutely free from all attachment much less one addicted to sensual pleasure. Purport. In material life, everyone is desirous of sense gratification. Therefore, a person who gets an object of sense gratification without endeavor should not refuse to accept it. Gradamuni was not meant for sense gratification, yet he aspired to marry and pray to the Lord for a suitable wife. This was known to Svayam Bhuvamanu. He indirectly convinced Kardamuni 
You desire a suitable wife like my daughter, and she is now present before you. You should not reject the fulfillment of your prayer. You should accept my daughter. Jai Shri Om Ajnanat Mirandasya Gananjana Shalakaya Chakshur Unmilitamina Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Vancha Kalpa Trubyasha Kripa Sindhu Vyagacha Patitana Pavani Vyo Vaishnave Vyo Namo Namaha Namaste Jivanandaya Dasaya Varachayane Harupa Vilabaya Shnita Shila Vinodine Ajnanat Vantagamanam Pashtate Patitapanam Jnana Gurutaya Chita Harine Chaksha Shenam Namo Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prishtaya Bhutale Shri Mate Bhakti Vedanta Swami Nitinamine Namaste Sarasvati Devi Goravani Pracharini Nirvishesha Shunyavani Pashtata Nishatarini Jaya Shri Krishna Jaitanya Prabhunitananda Shri Adreta Gradha Shiva Sari Goravata Vanda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. So this is Svayabhuva uh, Maharaj speaking to the great stage Kardam Muni, saying, therefore, please accept her, as he's bringing his daughter, offering his daughter to this uh, qualified sage. So please accept her, O chief of the Brahmanas, for I offer her with faith, and she is in every respect fit to be your wife and take charge of your household duties. To deny an offering that has come of itself is not commendable, even for one absolutely free from all attachment, much less one addicted to sensual pleasure. So welcome to Srimad Bhagavatam class, the devotees. So, any status of life is meant for spiritual advancement. Great, thank you. Maybe easier. Thanks. Thanks. So the main principle is is to know. Uh, time, place, and circumstance. What's to be done and what's not to be done. So, so much in, in modern culture, in the 21st century, we're really focused on the externals. You know? And what the result of those external situations are. That's the common principle. If it looks good, smells good, if it looks cool, behaves nicely, is attractive, if it's new, fresh, then it's good. Or if it if it bears it bears these qualities attractiveness, beauty, etc. In other words, it's pleasing to us and embodied souls pleasing to our material mind and senses. So this, this is the basic operating principle of, of the world. And so uh, in spiritual life, oftentimes we view spiritual circles and communities and spiritual practitioners in such a way. In other words, there's a stereotyped way 
in which a spiritualist should behave. Uh, and this, this is one reason why so many people are, are tricked. They're tricked into following somebody who's not a genuine spiritualist. Because they take it cheaply. This is a cheap thing. In other words, you look spiritual. Uh, there was a, a movie, I can't remember the name, about that person who, who tricked all these followers into thinking that he was a guru. What was it called? It was a documentary. A doc I documentary. Yeah, I can't recall the names on that. It was actually filmed in Arizona. Yeah. But he acquired all these followers. He was from India. And he had this long, beautiful hair. And he spoke very nicely. And he made everybody feel good. So everybody felt like, oh, this is such a great saint. And he started following him. So he gave them bogus mantras. The stuff he just made up. He was doing an experiment to see if they would follow him. And sure enough, he gained this nice following, and people were giving his their life to him, and he was just an actor. He was just acting. And in the end, they were shocked and hurt. So this happens in spiritual circles and communities. That it looks nice, they look peaceful, they have a twinkle in their eye, they sit up properly, they do nice mudras, and you see them in idyllic nature areas, doing yoga postures. So this person must be spiritual. So actually, It's interesting, as, as we read the Bhagavatam, we, we come to find out there's a lot that we don't expect sometimes <laughs> from people who are genuine spiritualists. And so it takes, it actually takes, um, it takes research, it takes spiritual culture and guidance and reflection and Sadhu Sangha to really recognize what's genuine and what's not and the operating principle. And also, the most prominent of the four defects of a living entity is a cheating propensity. So, when we hear that Lord Shiva may smoke marijuana, then in our mind, we feel, oh, well, Lord Shiva is a great personality, so I can also do the same. So the mind tricks us and cheats us into doing something that's actually not good for our spiritual life. As Srila Prabhupada said, Lord Shiva also drank an ocean of poison. If you can drink an ocean of poison, then you can smoke marijuana. So you see how we need the guidance of a guru. We need that spiritual connection to know what's to be done and what's not to be done. Krishna talks about the demonic nature. They don't know what's to be done and what's not to be done. Either cleanliness, truth, or proper behavior is found in that. So what's the real operating principle of spiritual life? I'd like to 
excavate two beautiful verses from the Bhagavad Gita. One is in the middle of the Bhagavad Gita, and Lord Krishna says, whatever you do, whatever you eat, whatever you offer or give away, and whatever austerities you perform, do this as an offering to me. But then at the end of the Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna brings out a higher principle. A higher principle than doing everything for Krishna? How is that possible? Krishna says, abandon all other descriptions that I have made, all other descriptions of duty that I have made and surrender them to me. I will deliver you from all sinful reactions, do not fear. So uh, the principle of utilization comes in two forms. One is based on our conditioned nature, and one is based on um, our love nature, the love nature of the soul. So the conditioned nature of utilization is that I'm supposed to give to God, and so I'm going to go ahead and give things to God. So I feel like pizza, I'm going to buy a pizza and I'm going to offer it to God. That's good. Krishna says to do that. That's good. Whatever you do, offer it to Krishna. But the love principle is realizing what Krishna wants. What does Krishna feel like today? Maybe he doesn't want pizza. Or maybe he wants you to cook him the pizza. Maybe he'd rather you cook him the pizza. So the idea is, is that there's devotional service done according to sadhana when we're really attached. And generally we're on that platform. Um, and then there's devotional service out of love. And then there's situational considerations. One time, um, they were traveling, Sri Prabhupada was traveling with some disciples, and they were in a hurry. And so they bought some snacks from a, a, a street vendor, and they, uh, Sri Prabhupada popped it right in his mouth and ate it. And one of his disciples said, But Sri Prabhupada, why didn't you offer it to Krishna? Prabhupada said, it's already offered. So there's situational considerations. So there's service done out of duty. There's service done out of love. And then there's service done out of love, given time, place, and circumstance. Do you see? Prabhupada was acting on a, on a higher, higher principle in this instance. Just like the beautiful story of Lord Chaitanya when his servant Govinda decided to step over the body of the Lord, which is an offense in Vedic, in, in Vedic culture, in, in spiritual culture, to step over somebody, step over the body of somebody. So Govinda decided to step over the body of the Supreme Lord. He made that decision for a higher principle of massaging the legs of the Lord, which was his duty. So when, when he asked the Lord, what should I do? He, he said, you decide. You decide what's best. So he stepped over the body of the Lord, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, 
So stepping over the body of a person is an offense, but imagine stepping over the body of the supreme personality of Godhead. But he went ahead and did that for a higher principle. So there's service and love with higher principles. And we can see many examples. Actually, Lord Krishna gives the greatest example of this. Because the Lord, when he played different roles, like when he was a child, he played the role of Elisha. He was a little cowherd boy, and he played the role perfectly. He protected those cows. Gopala means one who protects the cows. So that was what he did all day, was to protect the cows with his cowherd boyfriends. Later on, he played the role of a chachaya. And he defeated so many enemies, so many kings. I believe, uh, was it Jarasandha he defeated 18 times? 18 times. Jarasandha, he was so envious of Krishna, he was so determined to destroy him that Krishna would wipe out his army. He would go back, form another force, and come and attack Krishna again. 18 times Krishna just destroyed him and his forces. So Krishna, when he played these different roles, as a Grihasta, Narada Muni came to see the Lord's activities in Grihasta Ashram. He wanted to see what's the Lord doing. So Krishna had 16,108 palaces with 16,108 wives. And in every one, Lord Krishna was there, expanded, and he was behaving as a perfect husband. He was uh, one place, um, doing some business affairs. Uh, in another place, he was doing his morning prayers. In another place, he was, he was playing with the children. So Narada was astounded. So Krishna played, and he set the example in this way. But Krishna demonstrated a higher principle of spontaneous love and affection for his devotees. Also, so along with Krishna's perfect example, he also displayed um, this renunciation feature. In other words, what is the most important thing to a famous person? Okay, how do they keep their fans? They, 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 keep, they keep the fans by reputation. In other words, they maintain their status. So Krishna, he had millions, tens of millions of followers. Krishna was the most famous person on the planet. And he displayed this feature of renunciation on the battle of Kurukshetra. Because what is the highest principle for a Chatriya warrior? It's honesty. Honesty. And the Lord, he told he told everybody, I'm not going to fight. Everybody knew that Krishna vowed not to fight because he made this deal uh, with the Kauravas and Pandavas. He was going to give the Kauravas his army and he was going to give himself to the Pandavas, but he wouldn't fight. That was the deal. But because of his affection for Arjuna, when Arjuna's life was threatened, the Lord, in front of everybody, this is the biggest stage of its time. 
the biggest battle in history. Everybody was watching this scene. And in front of everybody, Krishna broke his promise. He got down from the chariot. He took a wheel of the chariot in his hand and he went to kill Bhishma. So, so the most famous person on the planet who always set the perfect example in different varnas and ashram, the most perfect husband, the perfect father, the perfect cowherd boy, the perfect warrior, he renounced it all for the love of Arjuna, for his affection for Arjuna, and broke his, his promise in the battle, the fight. So the Lord also displays this, this uh, spontaneous mood of love beyond just duty, love and duty. So the operating principle for us as devotees is to realize that devotees are going to be situated in so many different varieties of service and so many different occupations of life. Just like Sudan Brahman. We've been speaking about Sudan Brahman. Sudan Brahma was extremely poor. He had almost nothing. And he loved and served Krishna in that way. And then the Lord blessed him with all opulence. And did Sudan Brahma just throw it away? No, he accepted it and he continued serving the Lord. So, in other words, it didn't matter. Like, like I said, whether in heaven or hell, the devotee just wants to serve Krishna. Okay, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's, that's what the Christian said the Bible. So whatever circumstance, the main principle is serving the Lord. So we also talk about one of the most important aspects of, of the journey of Bhakti Yoga is developing spontaneous attraction for Krishna, spontaneous devotional service where we're doing things from our heart to please Krishna. Now, with embedded in the word emotion is the word motion. So when we're emotional, then we act. Emotions push the living entity to act. <clears throat> now, let me ask you a question. If you're a friend of Krishna, and you're acting emotionally, does that necessarily mean you're acting on the spontaneous platform of devotional service? Any some thoughts? No? Why is that? Good. You want to explain more? Perfect. So, a devotee, when they're not in the liberated state, they may be... Yeah. Right. But when we're not completely liberated, the soul isn't completely liberated, which is kind of the same, then uh, emotions may be there, but we're still affected by the modes of material nature. Right. So in that in that's in that in that state, we're actually um, we're actually acting on on a lower platform. 
So like, again, the example of Arjuna. Arjuna is Krishna's friend. Arjuna is with Krishna. Arjuna has been serving Krishna as a friend for his entire life. They grew up together. Arjuna was saying and, and that he was apologizing to Krishna when he realized he was God in Bhagavad Gita. He was saying, forgive me of whatever I did in, in friendship or in love, and I joked with you, and, and, I, and, and I belittled you in this way as a friend. Jokingly, please forgive me. So he knew Arjuna his whole life. Arjuna was a great devotee. But Arjuna was extremely emotional. Extremely emotional before the Battle of Kurukshetra. And this emotion was based on a mundane sentiment. Mundane sentiment. So, spon real spontaneous, Raganuga Bhakti. Raganuga Bhakti, spontaneous devotion, comes when our emotions, our activities based on our emotions, are aligned with the emotional will of the Lord with Krishna's will. That was the transformation. Arjuna was emotional in the beginning of Bhagavad Gita, and he was also emotional at the end of Bhagavad Gita. But the emotion at the beginning of Bhagavad Gita was a mundane sentiment, affected by the modes of nature. Of course, it was all an act. Arjuna is never affected by the modes of nature. This is Krishna's yoga maya potency. At the end of Bhagavad Gita, Krishna's hairs were standing on end. Remember? So he had ecstatic emotion, spiritual emotion, that was going to drive him to act to please Krishna. So that's the difference. So how did he come to this level of Raghunuga Bhakti? Through guidance from his spiritual master, who is Krishna. So in the same way, with our emotion... Our activities, based on our emotions, become aligned with our spiritual master's emotions and desires. At that point, we've reached the level of Raghunuga Bhakti. It's not something just um, cheap or, or whimsical. Sometimes we think acting whimsically on emotions within the realm of devotional service is spontaneous love of God, but not necessarily. Unless our emotional heart is connected to our Guru and Krishna's emotional heart. That's spontaneous devotion and love for God. Just like Lord Chaitanya. Okay, so renunciation means I leave home and I go to the forest and I eat roots and bar I dress myself in bark of the tree. Right? That's renunciation. Again. It's a superficial understanding of what renunciation is. So when Lord Chaitanya went on his South Indian tour, pilgrimage, because of his attractive features, his beauty, his, his ecstatic love and the love for his devotees, many of gentlemen along the way wanted to follow the Lord. We want to come with you, Lord. We have families. Forget about them. We want to come with you. The gopis did that. The gopis said, forget about everything. Krishna is playing his flute. He's calling us. We're going to run to him. Situational, situational devotional service. See? 
In this case, the Lord said, don't come with me. He said, don't come. He said, stay here. Stay with your families. Chant Hare Krishna. Chant the Maha Mantra. I will be with you through this chanting. We'll be together in that way. Teach everybody else about the chanting. Teach everybody else about Krishna. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and in this way you'll please me. So in this circumstance, if, if they would have followed him, that's nice. But a higher principle is a little more than a mistake. You see? So the word conservatives isn't always static. It's, it's very personal. And that personal feature of devotional service is necessary for bhakti yoga. Because bhakti yoga is a science of personal loving exchange with God. And personal loving exchange means we get to know the emotional heart of Krishna. Expressed through his sold out devotees. His his external future as a spiritual master. So, the main lesson that um, we are trying to express through this particular section of the Srimad Bhagavatam is that Kardam Muni, he had desire in his heart for a wife. He was a great sage. He was one of the greatest sages of his time. He was so sense-controlled. He was so dedicated to meditating on the Supreme Lord. But Swami Bhumanu was, was saying that the Lord has arranged for this meeting, that I'm bringing my pious, righteous, saintly daughter to you. And, and such a blessing from God should be accepted. With the main principle being that take this as an opportunity for spiritual advancement. Okay, in, in your traverse in life, the Grihasta Ashram has come. So take this Grihasta Ashram as an opportunity to make more advancement. Generally, uh, family life is binding because we forget about God. We think, I am, I am my body, this is my spouse, these are my children, this is my society, my nation. It, it leads to bodily identification and bondage, generally. But for a devotee, taking up household life in the right way, the Grihasta Ashram is a place that we can make more spiritual advancement if we do it in the right way. If we do it by putting Lord Krishna in the center. Again, Lord Krishna is saying, every occupation, every varna, every ashram is perfected by worshiping the Lord, by putting the Lord in the center. So, I'd like to end in a few minutes. Um, but first, I'd like to uh, read pretty briefly about King Priyavrata. Because the same question was asked by Sukadeva Goswami. Uh, I'm sorry, by Maharaj Priksha to Sukadeva Goswami. In the case of Priyavrata. Now, Priyavrata was another son of Swami Bhutmanu. And Lord Brahma is petitioning uh, Priyavrata Maharaj to get married. And so, uh, Pariksha Maharaj, he wants to know, how did he not get entangled 
in this bodily conception and be degraded through um, accepting household life, this great personality. So this is really going to extract the point here. So King Prisha inquired from Sukadev Goswami, O great sage, why did King Priyavrata, who was a great self-realized devotee of the Lord, remain in household life, which is the root cause of the bondage of karma, fruit of activities, and which defeats the mission of human life? Devotees are certainly liberated persons. Therefore, O greatest of the brahmanas, they cannot possibly be absorbed in family affairs. Elevated Mahatmas who have taken shelter with the lotus feet of the Supreme Personality of Godhead are fully satiated by the shade of those lotus feet. Their consciousness cannot possibly become attached to family members. The king continued, O great Brahmana, this is my great doubt. How was it possible for a person like King Priyavrata, who is so attached to wife, children, and home, to achieve the topmost infallible for perfection in Krishna consciousness? Sri Sukadeva Goswami said, What you have said is correct. The glories of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who is praised in eloquent, transcendental verses by such exalted personalities as Brahma, are very pleasing to great devotees and liberated persons. One who is attached, he's giving the, the answer here, one who is attached to the nectarian honey of the Lord's lotus feet, and whose mind is always absorbed in his glories, may sometimes be checked by some impediment, but still never gives up the exalted position he has acquired. Sukadeva Goswami continued, My dear king, Prince Priyavrata was a great devotee because he sought the lotus feet of Narada, his spiritual master. So in order, the first stage of being successful in any Varnan ashram is to dive deep into spiritual life. We can't tip our toes in the water and then take to Grihastha life and think we'll be successful. We have to dive in, and then we'll have the eyes, we'll have the, the discretion to know who is the proper wife for me, and to have trained mind and senses to take on that great responsibility. This is, like he said, except with faith, my daughter, Swami Manu said. So uh, we're entrusted, we're entrusted with a wife, it's a great responsibility. So first, King Priyavrata. He sought the lotus feet of Narada, his spiritual master, and thus achieved the highest perfection in transcendental knowledge. With advanced knowledge, he always engaged in discussing spiritual subjects and did not divert his attention to anything else. The prince's father then asked him to take charge of ruling the world. He tried to convince Priyavrata that this was his duty as indicated in the revealed scriptures. Prince Priyavrata, however, was continuously practicing bhakti yoga by constantly remembering the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Hare Krishna. Thus engaging all his senses in the service of the Lord. Therefore, although the order of his father could not be rejected, the prince did not welcome it. So King Priyavrata, he didn't want to accept household life. But he was convinced. In this chapter we learn he was convinced to do so because that was the Lord's desire. Thus he, was very thus, he very conscientiously raised the question of whether he might be diverted from devotional service by accepting the responsibility of ruling over the world. Sri Shukadeva Goswami continued, The first created being and most powerful demigod in this universe is Lord Brahma, who is always responsible for developing universal affairs. Born directly from the Supreme Personality of Godhead, 
He dedicates his activities to the welfare of the entire universe, for he knows the purpose of the universal creation. The supremely powerful Lord Brahma, accompanied by his associates and the personified Vedas, left his own abode in the highest planetary system and descended to the place of Prince Priyavrata's meditation. So this is at the very beginning of creation, and it was really especially even more important at this point to uh, propagate good population by these um, great spiritual persons uh, being uh, prajapadis or progenitors, um, being householders. <clears throat> so I want to just... Um, I'm going to skip. This is um, Nalo Brahma. So, my dear Priyavrata, by the order of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, all living entities accept different types of bodies for birth and death, activity, lamentation, illusion, fear of future dangers, and happiness and distress. My dear boy, all of us are bound by the Vedic injunctions to the divisions of Varnashram according to our qualities and work. These divisions are difficult to avoid because they are scientifically arranged. We must therefore carry out our duties of Varnashram Dharma like bulls obliged to move according to the direction of a driver, pulling on ropes knotted to their noses. My dear Priyavrata, according to our association with different modes of material nature, the Supreme Personality of Godhead gives us our specific bodies and the happiness and the distress we achieve. One must therefore remain situated as he is and be conducted by the Supreme Personality of Godhead exactly as a blind man is led by a person who has eyes with which to see. Even if one is liberated, he nevertheless accepts the body he has received according to his past karma. Without misconceptions, however, he regards his enjoyment and suffering due to that karma the way an awakened person regards a dream he had while sleeping. He thus remains steadfast and never works to achieve another material body under the influence of the three modes of material nature. Even if he goes from forest to forest, one who is not self-controlled must always fear material bondage because he is living with six co-wives, the mind and knowledge acquiring senses. So King Priyavrata, he was afraid to accept a, a wife. So in this particular instance, Lord Brahma is convincing King Priyavrata to accept the wife as his duty. And he's saying, even if one goes to the forest, remember we were talking about the, the, the standard or typical way a spiritualist may look? Even if he goes to the forest, one who is not self-controlled must always fear material bondage because he is living with six co-wives. So he said, actually, you're living with six wives, and they're your mind and senses, which are keeping you bound, more so than living with a saintly wife, a good wife. Even householder life, however, cannot harm a self-satisfied, learned man who has conquered his senses. One who is situated in household life and who systematically conquers his mind and five sense organs is like a king in his fortress who conquers his powerful enemies. After one has been trained in household life and his lusty desires have decreased, he can move anywhere without danger. So Lord Brahma goes on to completely and utterly convince King Priyavrata this is his duty to accept householder life as loving service to the Lord. So I highly recommend the Srimad Bhagavatam to all of you um, because it will completely transform our life and our environment starting with our own heart 
So this, uh, this topmost Puran, this Amal Puran, um, is here as, as a light in the darkness of Kali Yuga. And every one of these descriptions uh, eliminates a doubt and, of what should be done, what shouldn't be done. Um, guided by Srila Prabhupada's beautiful purports. And then our own personal guidance by our own uh, Diksha Gurus. So I'd like to end here. Do we have any comments, questions, or reflections? Yes, Prabhu. What was the thing that made Arjuna into Raga and So when his doubts were removed through Krishna's words, uh, then he said that, you know, now, now I know what, what I should do. Now I know I must play. All He said all my doubts have been removed. So at that point, um, he was an ecstatic trance in love of God, and he was ready to execute the difficult task of fighting this battle. So. Yes? How, how, how do you think today's teachings parallel with, or, uh, yeah, today's, how do you think this parallels with today's actual, like, reality and what we're facing in, in our society and our world? How do you think these parallel and So um, now, just like 5,000 years ago, or even the beginning of creation, millions and millions of years ago, uh, just like then, we still have those six enemies. <laughs> the six enemies are were there then, and they're there now. The um, five knowledge-acquiring senses, uh, wanting to, to see something beautiful, taste something beautiful, smell something nice, hear something nice, touch something nice. And then the mind perceiving these things as as, as happiness. So that's those those enemies have always been there in our embodied state. So the difference is is now it's stronger. The forces of material energy are stronger. Consumption. Yeah, we're trying we're trying to to eat more, to hear more. <laughs> We're trying to indulge more and more. So the difference is the stronger. There's more distractions. But the beauty of mercy of Krishna is that in this most difficult age for spiritual advancement, he's given the best and easiest process for self-realization. And that is chant, dance, and feast. So the sankirtan means to congregationally chant the names of the Lord. And that's what this movement is. This is a sankirtan movement of Lord Jaitanya. Uh, the Vedas give many evidences to the fact that the primary duty of a spiritualist in this age is to chant the names of God. So these names are so powerful, they're so blissful, so attractive, so enchanting for us, that they, they can actually um, tame the out-of-control senses of Kali Yuga that are binding us so strong. So this process is to, we do our private personal meditation japa, on the japa mala. Um, initiated devotees do two hours a day, uh, 16 rounds. And then every day we come together to, to perform Sankirtan. Then we're going to go to the college campus now and we're going to do Sankirtan. So we're going to chant so all the students can hear, because everybody who hears... About two hours at the campus. About around two hours, yeah.
So everybody benefits. And then we, uh, we take blessed food that's been offered with love to Krishna. So this is prasada. So chanting, dancing, and feasting. And then we can be elevated to the topmost position due to the mercy of, of Krishna's um, incarnation in this age, who is Lord Chaitanya, um, Yuga Avatar. So. Hi. Okay, it's getting a little late, so thank you all for your kind attention. And we'll have breakfast now. Hi, Krishna. <coughs> Jai.